Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Man, you spent a lot of time <laughs> on neon tape. <laughs> so, I didn't at the time understand. I mean, how, how drunk or how drugged up do you got to be to fall off a stage? <laughs> and, and it was like a big deal. Like, a lot of my job was we, I'd have to tape the stage with these little arrows that would go from the dressing room. And I'm like, is this really Spinal Tap? <laughs> Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show here on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns, and I'm sorry Tammy isn't with us again today. She decided to stay inside and watch one of those real housewives of somewhere expensive television shows. But that's fine. I have another book for you today. It's by author Joel Miller, and it's called Memoir of a Roadie. Axel said I made a great cup of tea. Scott Whelan likes the Carpenters. And Ozzy drinks rosé. You ever thought about being a roadie? You thought that would have been a great idea? Hey, I can still be a roadie. Let's get out there on the road with somebody. Well, Joel tells you all the stories, and it's warts and all. Maybe you're part of the verm. Huh? Maybe Bob's your uncle. Let's find out. For an hour, we're going to talk to author of Memoir of a Roadie, Joel Miller, on the Rock School Radio Show. On the phone with me, Joel Miller, the author of the book Memoir of a Roadie. Axel said I made a great cup of tea. Scott Whelan likes the Carpenters. And Ozzy drinks rosé. Hi, Joel. How are you? I'm great. Long title. You did a good job. (laughs) It's what I do. So, wait, I just got to ask about this. I have more specifics, but Ozzy drinks rosé all day, huh? No, I don't know about all day. I don't know. I think you give him anything, he'll he'll, he'll drink <laughs> that's, it. But, uh, that's absolutely true. Look, this but we're is... All, a lot of us are closet rosé drinkers. Come on, we can be honest with each other. <laughs> yeah, I think we should have a, a get-together. Satin jackets, bring a covered dish. Uh, yeah. here's, the, here's the overriding idea of this book. You tried, and the book talks about it, you tried about three different careers and then turned to roadieing and i'm just going to ask you an overriding question why would anyone want to become a roadie the the amount of work and lack of sleep that you talk about in the book just seems like a not a lot of reward for not a lot of rest i mean is it something you could still do Oh, I don't know if I could still do it but i'd be at a much higher position probably on the totem pole i would have been a, a real veteran so I don't think I'd be physically working as hard. But for a young man, it's a perfect job. It was a great opportunity. It was a way for me to travel, uh, to learn about life. And like you, I, I love music still. So I, I, was, I was having an opportunity on someone else's dime for really for me a, a thrill. It was a fantastic uh, time especially in music. It was a great time in music. So there was a lot of aspects that really kept me 
excited and driven. Uh, I had never been to Philadelphia. I had never been to Florida. I had, and you see so many different things in each place you go. You meet lots of different people. And I had to see wonderfully talented musicians, which is uh, you know tough on anybody. I, <laughs> I don't know. Day after day, it was it was exciting. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen that night. Performances are not all the same, and so when you're in a different place, seeing a different act, even though it's very similar to the night before, it's super, super fun. Uh, all the different buildings, and it was a really great way to grow up. I think it's the same idea, maybe, as a baseball fanatic who wants to see all the stadiums. It's right. the same game being played, but... But there, hey, I'll give you one more overriding. I spoke to some of my students about this, and one of them said to me, let's say I wanted to be a roadie. Tell me, tell me the basics. What does a person have to be to become a successful? And if you read the book, ladies and gentlemen, he was a successful roadie. What do you got to be? What do you got to do to make it in the business? It's a, it's a tougher question. So you've got to be tough. And I think that's what I try to explore. I'm trying to make an effort to, quote unquote, become a man. At the time, I'm in my very early 20s. And whether... I, people thought so or not, I definitely felt I was a kid. And it's that growing up experience. It's that coming of age story. With that in mind, you have to have drive. You, you have to have a genuine interest in music. I don't think you could pull it off just for a paycheck. Bear in mind, it's a lot of work, but as a little kid, you're making really good money. I wouldn't have gotten paid any better if I had gotten a job um, in a mailroom at an insurance company or something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it's an opportunity. And then as a young guy, I think if you were to get that job in the mailroom, you wouldn't be traveling. You would, so I was getting to travel, which was important to me, and, and um, learn a lot. But I think the answer in a nutshell would be absolute dedication to, to really care about your craft and to genuinely want to learn what it is you want to do, backline or lighting or um, carpenter or any of the other positions that might be out there. What's the one that's good for you? Right. And then you, it doesn't just happen. You have to work. of lighting uh i'm gonna skip your first seven nine twelve jobs but i'm gonna go right to you being a roadie uh talk to me about nigel and how you even became a roadie so my father was an english car mechanic and this fella had come here uh looking to get his car fixed and he he just said he, they were looking for uh i'm gonna say grunt they were looking for you know a guy to work his butt off for him and he said, you know, you want to go on tour with Stone Temple Pilots. 
And I, my dad was an interesting character, I guess you could say. And I, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> he, he was, he was serious. Within a few days, I was on a plane. I was heading to Las Vegas, and I was going to work for a band called Stone Temple Pilots. And um, I remember the night before. I didn't put it in the book, but I remember the night before listening to the STP CD and going like, "Man, this is gonna be crazy!" You know, I don't even know. I don't know what to expect. I hadn't even attended very many concerts in my life. I had no idea what to expect. I, I didn't know. And uh, that all brought about a lot of the thrill, I think, and especially the learning curve, too. I, I didn't know what trust was. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know half of that. Now, I believe you were in lights to begin with, or am I wrong about that? What were your duties? A little bit of everything. Nobody really told me what my job was, so I was kind of just helping out where I saw fit, and nobody was going to tell me I was doing their job, so they were happy to have me do whatever I wanted to do. So a lot of it really was lighting, like you said. We, there was It was a skeleton crew when we started on STP because we were doing rodeo, uh, radio shows. And so with the radio shows, there was just a few of us, for real, uh, setting things up and putting them back away. So I was putting them on the stage and learning a lot because I, I knew nothing. So I was being taught by this fellow, Nigel, and put things together. And then at the end of the show, putting them back so that we could use them the next day. And it was the learning curve of all of that, including trying to keep them all working because all this stuff was old, crappy equipment. And <laughs> to keep it going, the pain in the butt, man, it's a nightmare. So I honestly didn't like doing lighting. I, I, I hated it because... Your job is never done. All the time, there's something wrong. <laughs> Speaking about something wrong, you did about a chapter and a half on your white shirt. What's the problem with a white shirt, man? Uh, you ever seen a roadie on stage in a white shirt? No uh, way. Except for your picture, yeah. I guess what you're supposed to do is just blend into the stage, yeah? Yeah, so the real honest-to-goodness truth is... is um, as a stage manager, I think a, a, one thing you want to do is, that, even though I had said differently earlier here, when you go see a show in Florida and you go see a show in Las Vegas, it should be similar. You expect a certain standard. That standard is what you're paying for. Um, and I believe it's the road crew's job to try and keep that standard uh, alive. A white T-shirt is putting it on me. It's like being the bride. You know, and the bride, you're supposed to blend in. It's the woman's day. Here, you're not here to see me running around the stage. You're there to see the rock stars. Yeah. Roadie should blend in. Blend in is black. That's pretty much what's been established. And so you wear black, and you uh, you focus on Scott wearing uh, women's clothes. Yeah, <laughs> with, a, with a bullhorn. Yeah. Well, with a bullhorn in hand, well, just to make sure you can hear whatever he has to say about his clothing. Actually, he was amazing singing through that bullhorn, not to change the subject, but absolutely fantastic how he made that an instrument. I think it's a neat, neat thing.
I, I was going to ask you about that. You do talk about Guns N' Roses a bit. You do talk about Poison, and you roadied for both of them. But really, Stone Temple Pilots, there you could just sort of read between the lines and hear how great you thought the band was. Just give us a little bit of your own. Since you were there, you knew them and such. You played Dean DeLeo's guitar. What made STP so gosh darn great outside of the other, the other bands you talked about? I think a lot of it was the exploration of me. I was genuinely growing up. I was genuinely learning a career. And it's exciting when you're a young guy thinking maybe this is something I meant to do. So there was a lot of things going on. The other thing was I was a kid. I was 22 or 23. And these guys were a lot, lot, lot older than me, which means I think they were 30. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they really genuinely took me under their wing. And they they attempted to, to teach me the ropes. They didn't fire me. They kept me around. In addition, I talk about it a lot, but... All of these huge musicians like Ozzy Osbourne, uh, and not a musician, but Howard Stern, and the guys from Metallica, they would all line up across the sides of the stage for, and I really mean it, the opportunity to watch STP play. They were so tight. They were so good. It, It was amazing to watch Scott every night. And of all the bands I've seen, they're the only band that I couldn't wait if I would have the opportunity to see them tomorrow. I wouldn't have been able. I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight. It won't happen, of course, because of Scott having passed. But sure. they were so good. The chemistry and, and and the music itself, the energy behind it, the front man that Scott truly, really, genuinely was. I've never seen the Rolling Stones, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine how Mick Jagger would be better. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love the opportunity to, to see, but I'm just, I can't imagine it. I'm just the opposite. I've seen the Stones, but I never did get to see STP. It never just came together for me, which is which is odd. I mentioned that you played Dean DeLeo's guitar. That seems to me yeah. like it would be a fireable offense. You can do that. You can touch the instruments <laughs> of the people. If the rock star and the and the uh, guitar tech don't care, sure. I mean, it wasn't like I was running around the stage playing it. I wasn't running through the audience or anything. This is all in the in the uh, beginnings of the day when you when you're a little quiet. There's a bit of a lull. There's not much to do. Yeah. I can mess around on it while the guy, uh, the guitar tech, is tuning instruments and stuff. And I'm, I'm careful. I think if you're a bit of a wacko, they might say something. I mean, uh, Jean Versante has a flying V. I, I didn't try and pick that one up, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, uh, that was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, too. That They, they might have had a different response. So. They maybe. I don't, but then, you know what? Honestly, the guitar tech was a heck of a nice guy. And maybe not. I mean, yeah. in this particular circumstance, Dean definitely was okay with it. And the uh, guitar tech also uh, didn't have an issue. So I was messing around. But C.C. DeVille also would let me play his guitars. Um I worked for them in the recording studio and then on tour, and he didn't care at all either. You committed what you said was a mortal sin. You lost a road case. Oh, the road case. Tell me about that. So it was my uh, one of my first shows, and I I really didn't know very much. And so at the end of the show, what happens is you fill the road cases. Those are the big boxes on wheels. And you send them back to the trucks or truck, depending on how big your tour is. So... I'm sending them back, I'm sending them back, and at the end of the gig, 
we, we pack the trucks, we know there's a, there's a case missing. And so where's the case? And I realized quickly I had made a mistake because who I had given the case to, I don't know. Oh, I don't no. know. I don't even. I, I say it in the book. I, I didn't even know what city we're in. I have no idea. So I, where did what happens to the case? Uh, what ended up happening is they had to ship it, and uh, I got scolded. I, I was told basically uh, it was a catalyst. I think in that do you want to do this? Are you messing around? Or you want to stay being a kid? Do you want to go home and go work at uh, Chili's? Or do you want to really try and do this? Yeah. Because if you do, we're professionals. This is our careers. This is how we feed our families. This isn't some fun playtime. And because of that conversation, I, I was scared. I was scared. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine. It, it sounded... I really made a, a stronger effort to, to really make sure big accidents didn't happen. And I said it and I meant it the next show because the road case couldn't get there. There were park hands in there, which are lights. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the people, the audience saw the show a few lights short. That's a big deal to me. It means that all those people that saved up their money to go see, in my mind, the, the greatest band I, at the time I had ever seen were a little bit sh- short because of me. And that was a terrible feeling. I, I wanted to make sure that would never, ever happen again. If there was something wrong with the show, it wasn't because of me. And, and that was it was a big, big deal. We need to take our first break here on the Rock School Radio Show. Back in a minute to talk with Joel Miller, author of the book Memoir of a Roadie. Back in a minute here on Rock School. with the neon tape man you spent a lot of time on neon tape <laughs> so i didn't at the time understand i mean how how drunk or how drugged up do you got to be to fall off a stage <laughs> and, and it was like a big deal like a lot of my job was we i'd have to tape the stage with these little arrows that would go from the dressing room and i'm like is this really spinal tap <laughs> is this and I'd never seen Spinal Tap. I don't know if I'd even heard of it, but at the time, but I did a lot of arrows, man. And I made, and as stupid as I found it, it was part of the job. It was very, very important. The other thing is you tape off the edge of the stage with this neon tape. And that way, I think it's so the performer can completely focus on um, the performance rather than oops. And if the performer falls off the stage and breaks his leg, all of us are out of a job. We're, we're, we're done for the season and we're all hot, trying to find other tours. The part that I don't get is all these guys started off in little crappy clubs <laughs> playing on the most broken, garbagey stages ever. <laughs> and what we had going in general was pretty good. 
I, uh, I I don't think anybody ever fell off anywhere, but uh, there was a guy. He was a light. He's a sound guy. He's one of the biggest sound guys in the industry. Uh-huh. And he drove his motorcycle off of. Uh, he just got this motorcycle. He drove it off the truck, right off the stage, and broke his leg. <laughs> Wait, he drove it off the stage. He drove it. So we had the trucks in the back, and it was. It was with Godsmack, and it was uh, they had got these Buell, which are like Harley Davidson bikes. Yeah, the Godsmack guys had each got a Buell, and uh, the sound dude had got. I, I feel like it was a brand new dirt bike, and he 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 turned it on, and he goes out of the back of the truck, <laughs> right off the stage, and breaks his leg. It was the greatest thing ever, not for him, but <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. Something. Wow. Wow, it sounds like one of those America's funniest videos. Hey, you mentioned Godsmack, but as you're as you're reading through this book, as someone's reading through this book, every time you would get to a new thing that so and so joined us, so and so joined us, and then you'd give me a lineup of seven bands and and whatever bands. I mean, STP was always seemingly, and if I read it correctly, always seemingly part of this festival idea where there would be five bands to watch or what have you am i catching that right because i saw that a lot yeah so they're called radio shows and basically what happens is they do a shorter set and you see more bands Mm -hmm. so the lineup will change depending on the city you're in um but i presume the promoters line up a certain amount of bands that you go with for for a while so you'll see the same bands come up again and again and again because we're booked on the same gig we're going to the same cities and you get to know each other i focus more on stone tumble pilots because bear in mind they're my employers not these other guys i might be seeing these other guys i might be clearing the stage for these other guys and i'm definitely doing work but those guys are not paying me stp is or guns and roses or poison or the cranberries but the rest of the bands were um bands that were opening for them or headlining if it was the chili peppers and uh although i think we were billed as co-headliners but i don't know if you want to be specific but nonetheless the chili peppers never paid me a dime it was stp so i think i was focusing more in the book on my employers and i also had more of a relationship with those guys though because as you say some of the bands come and go but the one who's employing you 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 see every night unless you get fired (laughs) and leave and leave a case I have yeah. read that there are certain cities in the United States and certain countries that next to never get bans. So when a band comes to see them, they're absolutely ecstatic over it and like North Dakota and stuff like that. But you played Anchorage, Alaska. 
How in the world did you get there? Did you drive there? Uh, no, we would have flown in. Yeah, we would have flown in. That was a, the biggie's like Hawaii. It's very expensive to fly in all the crew and all of the gear for a show on a little island with not a lot of people. Yeah. So um, you don't see too many. But in Alaska, they, they must have flown us in and flown us out. And it was a makeup show. The tour before, they had to cancel the show because Scott went on a bender I think is what it was I think he, he uh, they had to cancel it and yeah. so we were doing this makeup show so yeah we got to go to Anchorage Alaska and eat at uh, Chill Cook Charlie's yeah and I got the fish there fantastic stuff I think we ate pizza there gotta love Alaska <laughs> yeah I, I can imagine why why wouldn't you just uh, fly in like the band and the and the roadies fly in and then you from a local vendor rent the stage and such why bring the equipment that seems not cost effective you can't really do it on a bigger show um you've got a lot going on with these guys the rentals on the light equipment are big numbers so also we mark everything so this the the truss or the metal beams in the sky we'll have marks on that truss with numbering that we put in so i know where to put everything um, to, to have other gear come in is possible for sure, but it'd be quite a lot of work. Also, some of these really high-end lights were made specifically by one company, and they're not there locally. Uh, I might be wrong on the numbers here, but at the time there was a light called an icon, which is now obsolete, but back then was the biggest, neatest thing. Each one of those lights was something like $12,000. Oh. Did, yeah. did SDP so, own that, or was that a, a rental that was put together and then rented out for the, the tour? Rentals. All of these bigger bands that I'm aware of rent the equipment. I don't think, other than their gear, you know, their, their guitars and their sure. stuff like that, the backline stuff. But all the lighting equipment's rented. They're not trying to get into the business of lights. Um, so they'll rent that stuff, and then as the, new, the newest, neatest thing comes out, the lighting designer probably gets their new job by showing them that new neat toy. Time for the second break. We'll be back in just one minute to continue talking to Joel Miller, author of Memoir of a Roadie. Axel said I made a great cup of tea. Scott Whelan likes the carpenters. And Ozzy drinks rosé. Back in a minute here on Rock School.
of the band, how much contact did you really have with the band? Now, there has to be a go-between. This guy, Caesar, I'm just going to use that name. There has to be a sure. go-between. But how about you? I mean, do you hang with them? What's, what's the dealio? It very much depends on the band. It depends on the band's budget and the size of the band. So Guns N' Roses, Axel said I made a great cup of tea. The joke is I didn't hang out with Axel very much. He's not my friend. I don't know him. I'm a huge fan. I'm a bigger fan having worked for them. I'm an appreciative fan having been paid by them. Huh. Um, but he's not my buddy. I don't have his cell phone number and I don't chat to him. But on a smaller tour, so we brought up CC earlier, Poison and us, we were in buses together. We, we were sleeping in the same buses. They kept the budget down. We stayed in the same hotels, on the same floors. We went to dinner together. And, of course, you get to know each other a little better. Um, so it, it really depends on the size of the tour. If I was to go out with the Rolling Stones, I doubt I'd be sitting there hanging out with uh, Mick Jagger very often. Something would tell me he had better things to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. You spoke about lighting. You've used the word trust three or four times. Tell us what a leap of faith is. Oh, the leap of faith. Okay, so the trusts are the metal beams in the sky, and those metal beams are hung by motors, and the motors can go up and down, and they pull the truss up and down to where you want it to sit for the show. And we have ladders, and you climb up the ladder to get onto the truss because we have to focus the lights. So... You're the rock star, all right? And so you're standing on the stage, and I jump up in there, and then I start moving the lights around to where uh, the LD, the lighting designer, tells me, you look great. And that we have a guy stand in there, and we, we make it all do. So we have to have ladders to get up there to do that, and then maybe minor repairs in case something's wrong. Also, you got your spotlights, and those guys got to get in the truss, too. The idea is going up and down the ladder is a pain in the butt. So if you <laughs> swing the truss a little bit, remember you're on motors. There are chains attached to the ceiling you can jump from one truss to the next you're very hu high up in the sky it's oh. not in the osha handbook it's oh. not the smartest thing to do <laughs> have you done but it truth did you leap oh yeah oh, oh man yeah i wouldn't do it in new york city i wouldn't do it in you know where the unions are real big you, you, oh man you'd get into a lot of trouble you can really piss some people off because it's stupid but uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I would do the leap of faith. But, I mean, for me, I, I wouldn't – I would be swing a little bit, and I could grab the chain on the next truss over and then step. So, to be really honest, it's not as scary as a straight jump. I would never, ever, ever do that. I'm going to go completely off on a, a left-hand bend here. Wait, you wrote a song that Darius Rucker sang? Did I read that correct? Yeah, yeah. So after all the music stuff, 
I decided I wanted to make a movie. We don't talk about it at all in the book, but I wanted to make a movie. Uh, I, I allude that I'm starting to go there. And I made my film, and it was distributed through Warner Brothers, and I stuck a ton of rock stars in it, um, hoping that it would make me a couple bucks. They didn't really pay me anything, but the soundtrack was super cool. And it was Dizzy uh, from Guns N' Roses and mm -hmm. Snake from Skid Row. They did the score. And then for one of the songs, there's a guy named Dean Denning, and Dean's in Toad the Wet Sprocket. And Dean and I wrote this song called God's Reasons. And Toad, no, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish opened up for Toad the Wet Sprocket on their first tour. I'm a huge fan of a woman named Nancy Griffith. I think she's fantastic. And Darius got wind that this Guns N' Roses guy, which, I mean, I wouldn't, that's what he said, but I'm not a Guns N' Roses, but Guns N' Roses guy really liked Nancy Griffith and the song that Darius did with her. And then he found out that Dean had co-written the song with me, and he was like, I'm in. So Darius performed the song, and uh, it's a super feather in the hat. It was a really neat thing to have happened. Well, what's the name of it? God's Reasons. God's Reasons. Can I get it? Yeah, yeah. It's on uh, Spotify and all of the other stuff. It's iTunes. It's, it's all over. Drunk in a stupor. All alone. Drank too much and I just can't go home. I'm not ready, I'm lost in faith Can you wake me now? And I look back and ask God how I get my answer, drink up my son I gave you everything so you think you're the one Okay, so what happened? You're not Rodian now. At what point in time did you just say, no, nah, that's enough, or did it just organically end? I think it organically ended. I I was starting to get lonely. I started. I, I wanted to start creating a life. Um, it's difficult. You're on the road a lot. If you're good at it or you have a good employer, you could you can maybe only be at home for five, ten days a year. Woo. I didn't want to have a family and never be able to see them. And I, I just wasn't sure. So I'd say I organically just, I don't know, I, the phone didn't ring. I'm an art dealer now. I deal with a lot of memorabilia. I, I was going to say, the amount of swag, that and, and swag means stolen while at gig, uh, the amount of swag you show in the book is insane. You have to have boxes and boxes. Yeah, it really keeps it, well, to me, it kept it fun. The read, I mean, you know, because you can see all the little pictures and the passes and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I fear, I felt it gives the reader a little bit of uh, closeness to, the, to, the, to it all, which is why I put so much in there. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's all stuff that nobody cared about, and little post show gig posters and uh, guitar picks. Backstage but passes. But as a music enthusiast, oh man, every time I could get my hands on one of these things, I mean, they'd give me, when we go to a gig, nobody cared about the t-shirts, so I'd get like 10 of them if I wanted, so I'd stuff my suitcase with them, and then I'd bring them <laughs> back and give them to all my buddies, I mean... All my friends were STP gear, head to toe. <laughs> now, tell me how to actually tell the audience, how do I get a copy of this book? Because you're trying this new digital thing. I can't just go to a bookstore yeah. and buy it. How do I get a copy of this book? <laughs> hard copy. You can get a hard copy at Amazon. Oh, so you can get a hard copy at Amazon or you can get a digital copy on it. On. And um, I'm in the process of doing an audio book. I'm about halfway through, and my neighbor bought my house and gave me two weeks to get out. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I stopped everything, which is when I could, when you wrote to me, and um, I I actually moved a few days ago. So I hope to have that audio book done in a few weeks, and then that will be all the different forms. But you can order. I, I think it's sixteen ninety nine. Amazon sets what you can put it at so right if you work with them so the, the minimum you can put it on is for 16.99 and that means it distributes internationally so i put it on for the minimum i could and still be in their uh, good graces i guess you could say right but it's so, print on demand is sorry? that it, it's print on demand right because you sent me a pdf version and you can get that oh, if you I want. Oh, I just did that for you. Yeah, that's just for me. Just for me. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was a special treat for you. Wow. All the, all the spelling errors still included. Actually, probably not spelling errors. Grammatical errors included, but been working very hard on that, so there shouldn't be any more by the time you air this. Superb. The name of the book is Memoir of a Roadie. Axel said I made a great cup of tea. Scott Whelan likes the Carpenters. And Ozzy drinks rosé by the guy we're speaking to. Joel Miller. Joel, thank you for taking an hour out of your life and talking with me. Oh, thank you for it. That went by really quick. It was fun. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll give you one more thanks. Uh, thank you for introducing me to Fishbone. Because of you, I went and grabbed some of their stuff. Oh, they're magical, right? So they're good. good. They're good. They really are. So, hey, have a good rest of the day, and uh, thanks for thanks for spending some time. Sounds great. Thank you, Joe. All right. Bye-bye. Sunshine, take me to another place in my life. Where everything is beautiful, and no one's in need. No sun.